warm welcome to our most anticipated pickup podcast. I'm Logar Darshini Danabalan, a fourth-year dental student from Ames University. I'm glad to be your host today. I hope everyone is doing well and please stay safe during these COVID situation times. It is my utmost pleasure to introduce our special guest from Harus Academy, Mr. Daniel, one of the co-founder and also the director of Harus Academy, to join our first episode of the podcast entitled The Skills That STEM Education Can Cultivate. Welcome, Mr. Daniel. It is our pleasure to have you with us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Before proceeding with the introduction of the local virtual volunteers, LVV, from the Speak Up project, let me briefly explain about the Speak Up project. It is basically a one-month project, educational project, where we provide an online learning platform for the secondary school students on personal development and also STEM, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering and Mathematics Education Opportunities. These amazing project will be executed by local youth and will be delivered to secondary school students in Kadapalis by the LVV. So now, here comes the time to have a brief introduction of our dear local virtual volunteers from Speak Up Project. Can you guys introduce yourself one by one before we dive into our topic for today? Okay, I will start off first. Hi everyone, my name is Karishma. I was born and raised in Para and I'm currently studying in UUM. It's really nice to meet you, Mr. Daniel. Nice to meet you too. And okay, my name is Durga Sri Muttukumar. Can call me Durga and I'm from Slango and currently I'm doing Bachelor of Finance at UUM. So, so nice to meet you, Mr. Daniel. Nice to meet you. Hello everyone, I'm Sin E. I'm from Johor and currently studying business and marketing in Ames University. Nice to meet you, Mr. Daniel. Nice to meet you. Thank you, everyone, for the introduction. Seems like our LVVs are ready with their questions. Without further ado, let's get started with our first episode of the podcast. I'll pass the floor to Karisma to let her ask the first question. Okay, thank you, Loga. So, Mr. Daniel, since today we are talking about STEM education, we have all heard about the term STEM and the definition behind it, but actually we never got a chance to dive deep about the skills that STEM education cultivate. So, Mr. Daniel, if I may ask, what are actually STEM skills? Essentially, STEM skills are multidisciplinary problem-solving skills. As with the acronym Science, Technology, Engineering and Mathematics, uh, it's a problem-solving skill that can cross multi-disciplines or like multi-subjects and it's broad, uh, it's not specific to any particular uh, field. So in STEM, uh, the skills is basically, if you want to like summarize it, uh, I can explain further about it later, but it's essentially problem-solving skills. Thank you, Mr. Daniel. So, uh, actually, I know that STEM stands for uh, science, uh, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So, when we talk about STEM skills, so we are talking about the individual skills needed to do science, uh, mathematics, engineering, and those needed to use technology effectively. So, for example, maybe I can say that in science, the students can learn the ways to increase or reduce the friction. It's, it's just example. Then, uh, for technology, they can even stimulate experiments. For engineering, maybe they get to know the term of uh, design build, and also test model then finally for the math things maybe the students can um, analyze and draw conclusion from the experiments like not only that like more specifically some of the essential stem skills will be developed the, the students problem solving skills creativity uh, actually is a well-known when we, uh, the teachers will always be saying that we have to think out of the box so that's what I mean creativity 
So next, uh, inquiry skills, like students can even ask questions, maybe proposing the ideas. Next is uh, most important thing, uh, maths and science skills. So these skills will help students for the problem solving skills, just like just now that uh, Sir Daniel said, right? Yeah, then for engineering, design techniques, that about the critical thinking and also about the collaboration. Collaboration means about teamwork. Yeah, that's all. Thank you, Durka, for the useful example. I hope our audience will have a clear picture about STEM skills. And also, thank you, Mr. Daniel, for the elaborated explanation. Well, the next question will be by Cindy. Cindy, you may ask your question now. Yeah, after we understand more about the... Uh... Uh, what are STEM skills now? I would like to ask Mr. Daniel about what are the important skills that younger population must... So like what was mentioned by Durga just now, there are some examples of how within STEM, there are specific skills within each field that you acquire, that you learn. And what you mentioned just now about creativity and collaboration, uh, those are what we call 21st century learning skills. And on top of that, STEM skills also uh, encompass something called computational thinking skills. So this is basically an approach to problem solving. Basically, if you want to say it as, in, as simple as possible, it's thinking like a computer. So when you want to solve a problem, regardless of whatever field you're in, whether it's science, technology, engineering, or mathematics, the same skills apply. Basically, if I may list it out, it's basically um, decomposition, which is breaking problems into smaller problems until you can see all the little parts. The second thing is pattern recognition. As you see a problem, the different, different problems that, that you have broken out, do you see any pattern behind it? Like, can you see some method or some pattern that, that exists from there? And the third one is abstraction, where you filter out the little details. Uh, you ignore the other irrelevant information and see what is the main idea behind that because that helps you in the next part which is generalization where you get to apply the approach because you have gen because you have seen the main idea you are able to transfer that approach onto other problems so you can find like solve problems from other problems and the last one is basically algorithm where developing a series of steps in a logical sequence or developing rules to solve a problem um, other than that computational thinking 21st century learning skills uh, there's also something what i personally would call something that we practice from arus is a maker mindset when we do stem with students we want students to be a maker why because having a maker mindset allows you to think very differently about problems there are some key points to this mindset which influences the skills that you adopt and you apply basically as a maker you play, uh, you test around, you know, you see what works, it doesn't work. You do it, you know, you, you, you're a very hands-on person. You, you don't just think about the problem or you just, don't just talk about the problem, you just do, right? And not thinking too much about it, you will most likely have some areas that you will fail. So fail is actually a very important aspect of this maker mindset. Being able to accept failure. And then the next part is learn. So after you fail, you know, what is the thing that you learn after that? And this cycle repeats. You know, once you learn something, you play again, you try again, you fail again, you learn, you try again, right? So this development, uh, this iterative process uh, helps in problem solving. You may not be able to solve your problem the first time, it's okay, right? Because there is some value in that experience that will inform your next experience in problem solving. These are some of the important skills that young people, young learners need to have. Thank you, Mr. Daniel. I think that was a great point. I would like to add more on uh, about creativity. So uh, as a younger population myself, I think we do need to have creativity where we can come up with original 
different or out of the box solutions to solve a certain problem. Other than that, we need to possess a critical thinking where we can uh, analyze a different information and data and also weigh in the pros and cons of a certain suggestion and make a best decision based on it. Thank you, Karisma, for your point. I agree with Mr. Daniel that it is very true that when we fail, we are le- actually learning something new. And also, I believe these skills are very important and must be learned by the younger population to survive in this challenging world. Other than that, in Isaac, we place our confidence in youth as a key to unlocking a better future. So it is very important to have competent youth for a peaceful and also better future. With that, I would like Durga to put forward to this question. Uh, thank you, Durga. STEM educator. Actually, STEM educator need a various qualification. Maybe whether it's a primary level or secondary level or either college level, university level, they need a various qualification. So I'm so curious, Mr. Daniel, whether the STEM educator only need a educational uh, background, like such as like having a degree is important or maybe other areas also are important. I think every anyone can be a STEM educator. Basically, if you embody the STEM skills yourself, uh, you embody the mindset, this is something that you practice within your life. In, in the problems that you face, you you are definitely a STEM educator if that's the case. If you are aware about this and you are able to be conscious as you guide students, you can be a STEM educator. Having an education background only means that you improve in the approach, how you structure your approach in teaching and delivering the experience to the students. However, most teachers, not say most teachers, but there are teachers who struggle to actually embody this because of how they have been trained, how they have been their personal experience also informs their instructions in the classroom. Not necessarily you have to be an educator to be able to be a STEM educator. Uh, Imagine yourself as a coach, basically. That's how I would see a STEM educator, coaching others to develop necessary skills and mindset. You know, like how, uh, like a badminton coach, right? Uh, not only sharpens the badminton player's skills, but also gives them opportunities to develop the right mindset for competition and strategies, you know, how to deal with your problems and opponents. So similar, right? So anybody, you know, if you want to be a STEM educator, you just have to make sure that you are a practicing STEM skills yourself. Well, thank you, Mr. Daniel. Uh, just that on top of that, I think a STEM educator need to have high level of creativity, especially the high school teachers, which I believe is where the foundation of STEM education starts for students. And what I observed during the pandemic is that teachers are forced to be flexible and innovative with new ways to demonstrate exciting theories in STEM education to students virtually. Well said, Mr. Daniel and Charisma. I believe that by having educators who are aware of STEM skills or those who are actually practicing STEM STEM skills in their life, we are able to produce more competent and also confident youth. It brings us to our next question by Cindy. Thank you, Loga. After we know what qualification we need to have to become STEM educators, we need to know if we can improve our students' STEM skills. So now, can Mr. Daniel share about the, how do we develop STEM skills? There is no other way than trying and doing that will help you develop STEM skills. It's not something that you can observe others doing, watch a YouTube video or read from a book or even listening to this podcast. You know, it's something that you just have to do and experience it yourself, very hands-on approach. It doesn't have to be in formal learning setting, like in the classroom or you go for a course or anything like that. Life is full of challenges and problems. You just pick one 
start problem solving from there. For example, let's say you keep forgetting to switch off the lights of your room. You may think that the best solution for you is to make it an automatic thing so that every time you leave the room, the light switches off by itself. You realize then you need to learn how to code a program, a microcontroller to control the lights and detect your surroundings. You know? So then there is this need suddenly because of a problem you're trying to solve. Uh, so you learn how to code. You, know? you develop a new skill by learning how to code learning how to program machines and computers. Uh, and you realize you need to also learn how to connect the house wiring. You know, you, you are creating some system that needs to control the lights. So there is some electrical wiring that suddenly you need to learn. Uh, and then you suddenly need to learn how to calculate the amount of current and voltage to make sure that you're buying the right components so that it doesn't get overloaded. Before you know it, you know, you, have, you are learning all kinds of things. You know, programming logic, you're learning engineering, you're learning some mathematics and science in there. You know, indirectly, without no one, without anyone telling you what to learn, by just going with the process, by trying to initially just solve a very simple problem, you learn so much and you actually uh, develop all kinds of skills within yourself. Basically, you know, if you want to really develop STEM skills within, just try and solve problems and problems are everywhere. Thank you, Mr. Daniel. That's an interesting perspective and I totally agree with that. And maybe we also can join a STEM focus club or program in our school or community because this offers opportunities for the students to build the STEM skills, also giving the chance to connect with the, and learn to the other students who have a similar uh, interest. Uh, not only that, maybe we also can join the team that is solving the STEM-based issues like maybe we can say protecting a habitat, can learn, uh, we also can learn from the experts and other uh, community members and can develop an understanding of the application of STEM all around us. And maybe we can, as just now Mr. Daniel said, it shouldn't be a formal way. Maybe we can ask questions to ourselves and we can make a, a research ourselves from the YouTube. There's a lot of platforms right now. We can learn from that. And even we can identify our daily tasks, routines, uh, and we can use the STEM skills to make our task very uh, easy and conveniently. Yeah, just a personal sharing from me, just an example of like having STEM skills. So I've always been very interested in trying to like have a solar energy system in my house. I want to be able to like charge my phone using the power of the sun. So, you know, I learned, you know, like I bought a solar panel. I slowly learned along the way how the solar panel actually, uh, what kind of power it, it gets, it generates and um, I need to store it in a battery. I need to learn how to like connect it to a battery. And at the same time, how can the battery also charge my phone? You know, so while I'm not charging my phone, it's charging the battery, you know. So I need to develop this system and figure a way. Like you say, you know, watch YouTube videos, see what people are doing and, you know, read up about it. So this is just a personal example. Wow. Mr. Daniel, that's very eye-opening experience and also personal sharing. It shows that nothing is impossible. So when we have the willingness to learn something, we, there will be always a way to learn whatever that we are wanting to learn. I hope there's always a room for all of us to develop the STEM skills. And it seems like Cindy have another question for you, Mr. Daniel. Cindy, you may ask the question. Oh, okay, thank you, Loga. So uh, next let us hear from Mr. Daniel on the sharing about what are the benefits of STEM education. Learning in STEM education is all-rounded. It's, it's also very open-ended. As an educator, 
we cannot determine, you know, what is the end product of STEM learning for students. It's all about the process. Like as an educator, we care more, we should care more about what the students are going through rather than how the project or the product uh, develops at the end because that is not really relevant. We care more about the learning process. So one of the benefits for the learner is that there is a higher sense of ownership over their learning because Teachers don't set what is the goal at the end of the day. Teachers just set how you're, how you're going to start. And the students decide which road they want to take, how far they want to push themselves. Uh, so they are in the driver's seat throughout their journey. The learning experience for them will be deep, meaningful, and also relevant. Another benefit is the adaptability of STEM education. It is not something that is stuck to any approach and it can be implemented in any way as long as the skills and mindsets are achieved. So there is no need to update syllabus or curriculum in school every few years like what happens uh, normally. Like your textbooks get updated, you learn new things. But in STEM education, uh, it is not tied to a particular technology. It doesn't mean that you know you can only learn STEM education through Arduino and you know if Arduino becomes something that is very old and old technology and then suddenly STEM education needs to find another thing it doesn't work like that STEM education will always be there regardless of whatever tools that is used to deliver STEM education one last benefit with STEM education is the ability to pair it with other forms of education so it's not something that you learn by itself uh, it's something that is so open-ended that you can mix and match with other forms of learning experience I think just now Durga has mentioned how you, you can also pair it with more of like the arts or environment, you know, saving the habitat in music, in arts and craft, you know, many ways how you can go about it as long as the person designing the, 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 the education experience is creative enough to see the connections for the students and allow the students to explore that experience. I do agree with Mr. Daniel that STEM education is def definitely very adaptable. I think it does even uh, cultivate curiosity in students from an early age. And uh, like Mr. Daniel said earlier, that STEM education is all-rounded. So students from any stream, regardless arts or science, will be instantly interested to explore their imaginations. Well, uh, looking at the benefits of STEM education, I must say that it is very important for each and every one of us to develop the STEM education. And I hope more workshops will be conducted at school level so that all students also will be exposed to the STEM education as well. Moving on to the next question by Parishri. Okay, so moving on. Mr. Daniel, would you care to educate us on some of the challenges STEM education imposed during this era? The biggest challenge for STEM education is people's need to control what learners should learn. Uh, when we try to put a box around STEM education, it gets limited and predictable, which makes it less interesting for the students. It, it doesn't spark curiosity in the students and wonder and imagination. If, if you try to limit STEM education, that it becomes uh, something that is not interesting anymore. Another challenge is the awareness of parents about STEM education. Parents are heavily influenced by how they were educated and there is an expectation to design a STEM curriculum or any type of curriculum according to the traditional learning methods that they are familiar with. If you know their children are not learning the way that they have learned, they, they may not be as convinced of its effectiveness because they have their own personal experience to rely on. And parents get anxious, you know, if students are not answering exams or tests on STEM, which is not what it's designed to be. Right? One final challenge I would say 
from this sharing is to overcome the culture of rejecting failure in education. Uh, like I mentioned just now in the maker mindset, one of the components you know, in exploring, in playing, in making is also in failing. Right? It's crucial. It's a crucial component in learning. In STEM education, because it's open-ended, because it's something that teachers do not plan everything 100%, there is, an, there is teacher, you know, the whole process is bound. There is some areas where, you know, students are bound to fail and not get become successful in any way and this should be celebrated and this should be a talking point a discussion a reflection and you know what are the things that the students are learning from the experience of being in that in the position of failure right and then you know the teacher or the coach you know it's moving the students forward from whatever that they have learned after that in in our culture it's not accepted uh, and that needs to change and I hope that you know more people acceptable to this uh, change in education we've been controlled too much in, in the structure because we want things to be efficient STEM education is not a very efficient mode of education you know I have to admit that it takes time to, to ex- because you know there is room for students to explore and see and test out and reach dead ends and then come back again and then try again you know it's a learning process that takes time it is something that needs more support from the community. Mr. Daniel, could you briefly explain the ways to implement STEM, edu- STEM education in the secondary schools? I would say the easiest way is to organize after-school activities um, so that it does not disrupt classroom activities, which has always been there. Teachers are very used to the existing systems that they have in place and certain policies that the schools have set up in place. Organizing it as an after-school activity for the students is the easiest way to implement uh, STEM education by having uh, maker clubs, STEM clubs, um, or repurposing existing clubs like computer clubs and developing activities, developing projects that allow the students to explore solve problems and along the way learn a bit of coding or any type of any other form of skills that would help in solving the problem. Second easiest way to implement STEM education in secondary schools is to introduce problem-solving elements in all existing subjects in the class. So every learning opportunity that the teacher designs should have problem-solving elements to it. So imagine if the students are excited to go to school because every day in every class, in every period, teachers are bringing a problem that students need to solve. And along the way, they are learning the syllabus. They are learning the tools. You know, for example, in mathematics, it's the easiest one to actually implement. You're just not learn, you're not just learning the formulas, but you're solving a problem and you need to learn the formulas to solve the problem. So, you know, there is a mission that the students need to solve. And the teacher's job is basically just to equip the students with the necessary tools. If the school has like, high levels of collaboration among the teachers. Uh, They could even collaborate with each other to plan a project for students uh, across multiple subjects. So imagine a math teacher collaborating with a science teacher and a language teacher and they develop a plan, a project that the students that they share a class with create a project for those students and when they are doing the class activities that the teachers implement like within their subject. So like when the math teacher come in, that's the maths component that is being done of the project, you know, and when they do that, that is like the students don't feel like they're going to a math class. They're going to, uh, they're coming to school because there's a project in school that they need to solve. And so happen, they need to learn math. You know, that would be ideal in how we would, you know, we can implement STEM education in secondary schools. I would say STEM education shouldn't just start at secondary school. Even primary school should already start. 
that's when students' love of learning, students' creativity, students' passion for learning is at its highest. Uh, it's at primary school, actually. A lot of students from primary school, some of the joy in learning has already been extinguished by some teachers because of the pressure of uh, achieving exam results, making sure that they're doing all the tests and, and catching up on the syllabus that it becomes such a chore for them to learn. And they carry that, that, that disinterest into secondary school, which makes any changes in secondary school quite challenging. Okay, thank you, Mr. Daniel. Next, uh, let me briefly expand my part from doing research. A significant attribute of STEM-focused secondary school is to attach importance to teaching, teaching practice, actively participate in and support our students in learning rigorous science and mathematics. This teaching practice began to be called or ambitious teaching and professional development is usually uh, recommended in a STEM-focused learning environment to help teachers develop uh, this practice and subject content knowledge. Just like what Mr. Daniel said just now, one of the challenge is rejecting failure concepts so that teachers may will have to accept the failure and encourage students to practice more and after many times attempts will, pro uh, will improve more and succeed one day. Yeah. Thank you indeed for your point. And yes, it is very true that we must start at a very young age while the curiosity and also the learning ability is still high. And also it is very convincing to conduct the STEM education as an after school program as I don't think uh, uh, so with that being said, Mr. Daniel, I just wonder what are the possible and effective ways to deliver STEM education? As a start, I would say teachers or educators need to develop leading questions, open-ended questions that inspire learners to think critically and wonder and ask more questions uh, because of that just one question. And you know, to help further, they need, we need to develop necessary question prompts that allow the students to dig deeper into an issue to uncover more problems. Sometimes just a simple question can be a very interesting question that makes students think, you know, why is the sky blue, you know, and from there, you know, just a simple conversation, put in more question prompts into it, and then you start to figure out, you know, there's so many things that's involved in why the sky is blue, you know, there's science to it, there's maths to it, so having that leading question and, and working towards a project is a good way of kickstarting that momentum in delivering STEM education. It's also important as an educator that to map out the journey that the students take. Plan out the duration of the project. Uh, what are some milestones that the students go through? You know, leading question is the, the, the catalyst for it. And then you need to have certain milestones to check on the students to see uh, where is their progress. It's important to have reflections with, with the students and interaction with the students. This is not something that you do in the beginning and check only at the end. That you need to have checkpoints all the way through. So then you can help the students recollect the thinking process, uh, make them reflect and think what led them to where they are in their project. You know, those are very important um, points and learning experience that the students actually need to think about. That's where they develop that sense of awareness about what they are learning knowing that they are learning something. And feedback also is, is important for learners so that they know what to improve on. What are they lacking? What are they not trying? So that, that is some of the things that are effective. It helps keep learners engaged, especially in STEM education. Thank you, Mr. Daniel, for the comprehensive answer. I really appreciate that. Hopefully, these ways will be implemented so that all of our students
okay, Mr. Daniel, referring to what you said earlier, uh, STEM education doesn't necessarily re require the rigid or traditional assessment methods, but uh, maybe the parents are so used to seeing some kind of progress in their children. So I'm wondering, how do we ev evaluate STEM skills among students? I would say uh, it's important for students to document their journey in STEM education because it's an essential part of evaluating students. So there is no end final exam that they're going to take or any summative test along the way to check whether they do something right or wrong. Because in, in STEM education, when you're doing a project, let's say in a class, there are five teams. All five teams are at very unique journeys. So there is no standardized way of testing if all of them are up to standard. So what is important is to see what has been documented in their journey. So this can look like a portfolio where they collect information, they compile information, some sort of like a project booklet that helps put in and document their progress, their work evidence and information. And this type of documentation is growing more and more important. Now, it's been years uh, that an established university like uh, MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, have already allowed applicants who want to enroll into university uh, to submit their portfolio. You know, that's where students, they, they put in the kind of projects that they make. And it's not about whether the projects were successful or not. It's all about what are the things that they have experienced? What are the things that they have learned that they put inside the portfolio that becomes an evaluation point for MIT? So that is very important. If we are going to evaluate the output, STEM skills normally are evaluated by the end result as well uh, in the sense that what is the skills involved in creating that kind of output? For example, we don't actually test students if they have learned programming, how much programming they have learned. We only check how the students apply programming to the project solution. So that's the project, the physical prototype or something like that. Uh, we see how it was implemented. Did it make sense? What was the algorithm that they designed for the project? Whether it's relevant, it's not something that is just copy-paste, uh, but there is an innovative value to it. All these things can be seen by the final product as well. And another thing that, that also is important in evaluating students is when students are able to present their learning, uh, not just nah, see, see what I have made, but actually explain, tell a story, tell of your experience, what happened in the beginning, what happened along the way, what are some of the challenges that you face. These are um, personal stories that, they, that you plan to present that also helps people understand the things that you have learned and, and it shows your growth when you go through STEM education. redefine and also reimagine education by changing the student's mindset uh, to see learning as not as a harder but also a vehicle that one fulfill their dreams. So uh, as we all know that Mr. Daniel are from Arrows Academy, so what are the strategies of Arrows Academy in delivering STEM education? In Arus, uh, we do all kinds of things now, uh, not just STEM education. But at the moment, Arus is delivering STEM education in two main programs, our tech programs and also another program called Arus Maker Academy. In the tech program, we deliver 
asynchronous learning virtually to students. So we have uh, we have lesson materials that are published for students in the form of lesson videos, interactive games, and quizzes. Uh, this is to reflect the need for students to learn in a virtual setting due to the pandemic. And we develop the students' programming skills. Uh, we give them the basics of it um, before the students attempt to solve problems at the end of the course. So they go through some basic programming skills to develop um, digital literacy. And then after that, we go through design thinking with the students and they discover a problem on their own. So we give them areas where they can explore and they start thinking, okay, what are some of the problems I see? For example, um, help your family members at home. Okay, think, what are the things inside there? In, because they can't go anywhere, they can't go to school. So think about your home. So then, you know, students, they, they develop ideas around um, helping the mom fold their laundry, uh, making sure that the kitchen is safe, you know, uh, when there is a fire, what happens? So these are the strategies that we have. So we start off with teaching digital literacy. So then they have additional skills because later on, they're going to build a project that uses a microcontroller. So how they, how they, what kind of problems they are going to explore, we don't know. Uh, what kind of projects they're going to create, we don't know. The only thing that we know is the process that we bring the students in. So that is how we approach learning uh, through our tech programs. In our Arus Maker Academy, it's a bit different. Um, students actually go through uh, project-based learning with some tech element, complementing the students' need uh, throughout the project. So it's almost like a mini school where you have a curriculum uh, that is categorized in four different areas, which is science and engineering, health sciences, design and arts, and also entrepreneurship. So through all these areas, topics are developed, projects are developed for the students. And where we have uh, areas in tech, that's where we implement uh, certain uh, learning for the students to develop the skills. And these are students we work with from Buku Jalanan Chowkit, uh, and we collaborate with the teachers there as well. So they technically are not enrolled in a school, so this is their school. So that is what currently doing uh, in terms of STEM education. Wow, I'm really amazed with all the strategies that are being implemented, especially the Arvis Maker Academy. Kudos to the entire team who are very dedicated and also very professional. So it seems like our podcast is coming to an end. So before ending our first episode, is there anything you wish to tell us about me? I would hope that uh, anyone who is interested in STEM education and, and developing experiences for students or you or for yourself, think about the mindset first, you know, what how, how do you want to approach a problem? How do you want to see life? That is very important. Uh, if you are going to be very straightforward, how you want to solve problems, you know, finding somebody to solve your own problems and things like that, or paying some, someone or something to solve your problems, it robs you of your learning experience. So never shun uh, potential learning experience. Always embrace any challenges, any obstacle in your life and see it as an opportunity to, to allow yourself to grow. This is meant for students. This is also meant for adults, uh, teachers. Students will always accept or reflect the kind of teachers that they have. So if a teacher is a STEM educator that inspires students to want to learn and explore, uh, students will want to learn and explore. Yeah, It's all about the mindset that determines the kind of skills that you develop. Why is that 
Yet the chance when it is still available because the opportunity doesn't not draw twice, right? So thank you so much, Mr. Daniel. Last but not least, I would like to thank each of you for joining us today. It was indeed an eye-opening discussion for me, and I believe it was for all the LEDs as well. I hope all of you enjoyed the fruitful discussion, and please leave your comments or feedback to us so that we can do better next time. See you guys soon on the next episode. See you guys soon. Thank you, everyone.